The following pendant production contains mature subject matter. Listener discretion is advised. Seminar, a course or subject of study for advanced graduate students, an act of conferring or consulting together. Issue 15, Liars and Hypocrites. Welcome back. I see that all of you turned in your assignments, and I look forward to reading your opinions on humor. Today, however, we turn our eyes to a new focus, a more frightening and illogical practice which is quite justified by much of humanity's early culture. It has many purposes, uses, but it is commonly called a lie. From white lies, which were used for small infractions or the common good, to the major deceptions that were political and social in nature. Take a look now at this first piece where a lie for one's career can ultimately lead to a complete misconception of a person's character. This form of a lie is called hypocrisy. Let us take a look at a man whose mission was to feed the poor. Till we touch down in Abananda, Rick. You ready? I thought you said the place was called the Republic of Africa or something. The country is called the Republic of Western Africa. The airport is in Abananda, which is the capital city. Work with me here, Rick. Leave it out, Brian. I'm still on London time. Rick, the Republic of Western Africa is on London time. In that case, I'm still on New York time. We haven't even been to New York, Rick. Oh, I feel bloody awful. I wanted to have to drink last night. Six lagers? So? Four triple vodkas and a whole pitcher of some cocktail with a stupid name. Keith Moon's airy ass. Like I said, a stupid name. Yeah, that wasn't a cocktail. That's all I remember from last night. Keith Moon's airy ass. Keith Moon's been dead for nearly 30 years. Ah. Must have been some other party then. Pass me that bag, I need to wake up. I thought you said you were clean, Rick. Piss off. No, wait. Pass me the skunk, then piss off. Rick, Rick, just listen to me for once. You're a dead man walking, Rick. I certainly feel like it. You got any alcohol, sir? Rick, you're 43 and you're heading for a coronary. You've got more alcohol in your bloodstream than blood. If you died and got cremated, we could cut a line of your ashes and snort it. Brian. What? Piss off. Oh, Rick, for God's sake. Just piss off. Look, I'm not doing this for my health. I'm doing it for my wealth, all right? You still got that lyrical genius. I wrote a song. That made millions of people take Thousands of people? Millions of people sit up and take notice of what was going on in the third world. 
developing world, Rick. We've been over this. I wrote a sock that made millions of people dig into their pockets to help people dying of starvation in Africa. I donated all the profits of that record to charity. And what do I get now? Do I get respect? No. I get people telling me I'm fat, and I'm old, and I've lost my talent. Well, here's news for you. Rick Parker is still a star. Rick Parker is still big news. Rick Parker is washed up. Rick Parker has spent the last five years sitting on his ass, spending $2,000 a month on crack and bourbon. Rick Parker is going to be broke and in rehab if he doesn't pick up the smoking wreckage of his career and make something of it. Rick Parker's going for a slash on an Alka-Seltzer. Tell me when we touch down. Welcome to Abernanda, Mr. Parker. Bloody hell, that sun's a bit bright. Can't someone turn that down? Who are you? My name's Nelson Kingsley. I'm the original director of Famine 2000. You're about eight years too late, then. Rick, the cameras are watching. Rick, can you tell us why you're here? I'm here to show my sympathy and support for the people of the African Republic of the West of Africa. Rick, what do you say to accusations that this trip is nothing more than a publicity stunt to promote your latest album? Bollocks. Is that your final word? Too bloody right. If you want to hear more out of me, I'm doing a live show on Saturday. The first gig on a world tour. So this visit to the Republic of Western Africa has nothing to do with the fact that your last album entered the charts at number 63? Nothing. So this isn't some kind of massive ego trip designed to boost your popularity? No, it bloody well isn't. Now piss off a lot of you. Okay, Rick, you can shut up now. You heard me. Piss off. You're all bloody parasites. Is it true that you're planning to get back together with Sonny Lee for your comeback tour? That's scrounging, little tosser. No chance, mate. If he wants some free publicity, he can go on his own African tour. Really? Rick, just shut up. If Sonny Lee wants publicity, he's got to well bloody work for it like I do. I don't do charity. Well, obviously I do. I mean, that's why I'm here. For charity, but my charity's for starving African kids. Not no Mark talentless whingers whose careers have gone down the pan. Right. You, Nelson, did you say your name was? Yes, Mr. Parker. Where's the limo? Limo? Yeah, limo. Limousine. Big car. It was on the rider, a limo to get me from the airport to the hotel, then one to take me from the hotel to the what's name? The Cultural Center. Yeah, that's the one. Unfortunately, Mr. Parker, the roads in Abernanda may be very well maintained, but out in the country the surface can get pretty rough. A limousine wouldn't be particularly well suited to the terrain? Is that it? That's a bloody jeep. Yes. As I've explained... You expect me to drive around in a bloody jeep? But it's not even bloody air-conditioned. I'm an international rock star. Nevertheless, uh, Mr. Parker, Famine 2000 doesn't own a limousine. Well, who does? 
Well, of course, the president has one, and... Brian, get the president on the phone and tell him Rick Parker wants to borrow his limo. Tell him there's a photo op in it for him. Rick. What? I don't think the president of the Republic of Western Africa is going to lend us his official limousine just so he can be photographed with an aging rock star. Rick Parker! Rick Parker! No autographs, no personal interviews. Mr. Parker, I just wish to shake your hand. You have done so much for my country. Well, I suppose I have. Why did you do it, Mr. Parker? Well, people needed to know about what was going on here. They needed to know all about the famine and that, so we could help you. I mean, in the end, we're all human beings. So, why have you not come to my country before, Mr. Parker? What? Why did you not come to see for yourself? Why did you not ask us what we wanted? Hey. You just throw money at us and hope it works, right? Security. Do you know who I am? I used to work for the president. Now, I beg on the streets. How has your money helped me? Security. You will hear from me again, Rick Parker. I'm very sorry about that, Mr. Parker. If you'll step this way, I'll take you and your entourage to the hotel. Nice one. I could use a fry up and a shower. Wait, Rick. You, let the guy go. Rick, this is a hell of an opportunity. For what? Publicity, Rick. This could be headline grabbing stuff. Yeah, I can see it now. Rock legend gives money to beggar. I'll be on the front page of Rolling Stone. Eat your heart out, Keith Richards. Give him a hotel room. What? We reserve three suites for your entourage. I'm sure the hairdresser's PA can sleep on a couch for one night. Why? Because it's good for your image, Rick. My image is fine. <laughs> you're kidding, right? Half the people who ever heard of you in the first place probably think you're dead by now. Listen, Rick, do this, and I promise you'll be front page news. Uh, fine. Maybe they'll shut you up. Now let's get to the bloody hotel. I need to get the bar. Hey! Ah, you! You're addressing me? Yeah, it's your lucky day, pal. You mean your government has abolished the tariffs on cotton imports that have destroyed our economy and bankrupted our farmers and factories? Uh, no. But your story really touched Rick's heart, and he's asked me to invite you back to his hotel. He's gonna give you an home. Can we get the cameras in here? Stand there, with Rick. I cannot believe my good fortune. The famous rock star Rick Parker has heard my cry for help. That's great. Are you guys getting this? And in this room, we have the cultural relics of the Banshasa tribes people. Uh, the knife in that glass case is a ceremonial shanti knife. Bloody hell, it's as long as me arm. What the hell did they use that for, chopping up missionaries for the pot? Rick, we've been over this. There are no cannibals in Africa. There never were any cannibals. Actually, the Banshasa were something of an exception. Uh, it's true that most stories of cannibalism were made up or, or exaggerated by European settlers and uh, missionaries, but the Banshasa were cannibals. Although the practice died out long before European missionaries came to Africa, the shunti knife was used to carve the corpses of warriors from rival tribes. Uh, the Banshas have believed that eating the heart of an enemy warrior uh, captured in battle would bring them strength. In a way, 
They believed they honoured their enemies by eating them. I hope they don't decide to honour me. Rick! Uh, like I said, the Banshasa aren't cannibals anymore, uh, Mr. Parker. Uh, they mostly work as safari guides uh, and in Starbucks now. I did wonder about the bloke who served my latte this morning. He had a three-foot headdress on under his paper hat. They take their heritage very seriously in this country, Mr. Parker. Uh, the Banshasa are very proud of their history. Uh, even today, when a Banshasa boy reaches the age of 14, he often goes to a traditional medicine man and has his uh, uh, foreskin pierced uh, as a sign of his manhood. Bloody hell. Ozzy Osbourne tried that once. Foreskin piercing. With a bottle opener, I think. Of course, it wasn't his foreskin. Rick! Come on, Brian. Big knives, weird piercings, eating people. Back in the 70s, that was a bloody good night out. Maybe we should move on. Obviously, when I say eating, I mean in sexual sense. Okay, we're moving on now, Rick. Now, I've got a photo up lined up for you at the Oyenda Project at 2 this afternoon. Great. What is it this time? Because I am not digging another sodding well. My bloody back still killing me from that last one. It's a hospital project. Fine. Kissing babies is fine, as long as they haven't got any diseases. It is a hospital, uh, Mr. Parker. I ain't touching no sick kids, no diseases, and none of them worm things that live in your stomach. I wouldn't worry. Any tapeworm in your stomach would die instantly of toxic shock. I'll see if I can organise some healthy children for you, uh, Mr. Parker. What about this one? He looks sick to me. He has AIDS, Mr. Parker. Isn't he a bit young to be... Rick! What? I was gonna say shooting up. Oh, well that makes it so much better. He was born with the disease, uh, Mr. Parker. He inherited it from his mother. She was infected by his father. Uh, they both died about three years ago. Uh, that's why we work so closely with AIDS education charities to... You've had a bloody awful life, mate. Here, have a sip of this. Rick, you can't give lager to a ten-year-old kid. Why not? I was on lager by the time I was ten. Yeah, and look at you now. Yeah, look at me. I'm on a bloody world tour. Who got you this tour, Rick? You ever think about that? Without me, you'd be snorting crack off some mucker's ass every night in the hope of getting onto the front page of some cheap British newspaper. Wouldn't mind that. Okay, that... that was a bad example. Look, Rick, the press are out there and they're looking for any reason to tear you to shreds. Calm down. I've still got me magic touch. That's what worries me. Rick, is it true your private jet's full of drugs? Can you Firm, you've been asked to appear in the next series of Celebrity Desert Island Pop Star Fitness Challenge Idol. How much did this trip to Africa cost? You'll have to ask my accountant. Are you going to give any of your money to the Famine 2000 project? What? Are you going to give any of... I heard you the first time. Now listen here, mate. I earned every penny of my money, and I'm not pissing it away on digging wells and putting up scrap metal schools. I'm giving these people something more important than my money. I'm giving them me. I'm giving them my time. And time is money, right? I'm raising awareness. Talking of raising awareness, tell us a bit more about your world tour. 
<laughs> Very bloody funny. Is that all you people can do? Snipe and sneer and take the piss? You're all parasites. That's why I've had four beautiful wives and two kids and you've got nothing. Rick. All of you. Nothing. It's karma, that's what it is. I've worked hard and used my talent. That's how I got where I am today. Rick! You've never worked for anything, you scheming load of talentless, hypocritical bastards. Rick, just listen. Piss off. All of you. I'm going back to the hotel. Rick, just listen to me for a second. Just piss off. Rick, that was brilliant. Publicity genius. What? You'll be front page news, Rick. Washed up rocker turns on paparazzi. Aging ex-celebrity goes berserk. How about rock star punches manager in the gob? Fine. As long as you do it on camera. Right. I'm going back to the hotel. What the bloody hell are you? Oh, it's you. Look, no one said you could come into my hotel room. Who the hell are all these other people? This is my family, Mr. Parker. That's a big family. It's a big hotel room. Nice, too. Large bed. Ensuite mini bar. I told you I don't sign autographs. Oh, we don't want autographs, Mr. Parker. Tell me, do you really want to make a difference? Yeah. Yeah, that's why I'm here. You're a very rich man, Mr. Parker. Is that what this is about? Money. I've got money. Here, I've got... I've got 50 quid in my wallet. Take it. Take it. Always you give us money. Do you think we will go away now? Crawl back into our hovers so you can go on ignoring us? What do you want? You're rich. Fat. You wear expensive clothing. You want my shirt? Take it. It's Armani. You cannot buy us off with cheap trinkets anymore, Mr. Packer. There is only one way in which you can help us now. What do you want? Get off me. Take your hands off me. Do you recognize this, Mr. Parker? It's the knife they showed me yesterday. Well done. And do you remember what it was used for? Yeah, it was for carving people up, for... for... eating. No. No, this is a wind-up. You don't eat people anymore. Desperate times, Mr. Parker. No. Hold still. Oh, God. No. Please, no. Ah! Feed the poor. In an age like yours, where logic dictates your way of thinking, could you find something to identify with in this piece? Well, hypocrisy still exists even now. I mean, look at yourself, Instructor. Interesting, Student 5. Please. Mr. Mylan, continue. Well, you seem to be a teacher, a paradigm of human culture, with a humorous and engaging personality to boot. But the fact of the matter is, you are a computer, a series of ones and zeros that are not organic in the least, and that personality was programmed into you. It's hypocritical. What a remarkable observation! I applaud you. You are correct. I am not human, though I may seem to be designed as such. This brings us to another aspect of the lie, a simple concealment of the truth. Observe how the truth is so hidden in this next piece, entitled Third Shift.
Would you get that, Helen? Your hand's broken. The phone is right in front of you. Must we have this conversation every time the phone rings? Am I the boss, or am I the boss? Yes, Mr. Bossman. My feet are like wings, Mr. Bossman. A little less sarcasm, a little more phone answering, please. Thank you for calling TM Labor. How may I... Uh-huh. Well, that's be... Uh-huh. Can you hold on just one moment, sir? Hey, boss man, I rate customer on line one. <sighs> we only have one line, Helen. You've got to think positive, sweetie. One day we could have ten lines. Jeez, I'm never going to finish these quarterlies. <sighs> How I rate on a scale of one to ten? Around twelve. That's just great. Okay, put it on speaker, then go get me a scotch. Heavy on the ice. When exactly did I become the company barmaid? About the same time I was dumb enough to hire a cocktail waitress as my assistant. <laughs> the tips were better then. You ready? <clears throat> yeah. This is Alan Carver, third shift manager for... Mr. Carver, what the hell kind of service are you running? Uh, I'm not sure what you're referring to, sir. Your laborer should have started work hours ago. Let's back up a bit. <laughs> Tell me who you are and what property you represent. Oh, great. I have to go over everything again. Didn't that idiot who answered the phone tell you any of it? We're not going to accomplish anything with insults, sir. Please tell me who you are and give me your account number if you have it. <sighs> my name is David McFarland. I don't have my account number on me. I own the McFarland Winery in Napa Valley. Uh, how long have you been a client of TM, Mr. McFarland? This is my first week. Thank you. Can you hold one minute? No, wait! Helen, I need a customer file on a McFarland Winery in Napa Valley. I was just about to go on break, actually. Helen, what do I pay you for? Let's see. The worst coffee you have ever tasted, frighteningly good looks, and mind-bending conversation. For the love of... All right, all right, I'll look for it. Hello, Mr. Carver? If one more person puts me on hold, I'm gonna... I'm just looking for your file. Now, what can I help you with this evening? Is there something wrong with the service? I wouldn't know. Uh, I don't understand. There's no one in my field. I can see the field your organization is supposed to work on tonight from my bedroom window. I couldn't sleep, so I thought I'd look out on the laborers you're supposed to have in my field, starting at 10 o'clock, mind you. It's almost midnight, so where are they? Okay, this is a common misunderstanding with our service. Our laborers do eight hours worth of work in less than four hours. We meet the negotiated shift quota in half the time, so our workers don't even show up until midnight, and they will be gone by 4 a.m. Ugh. Why not just have them work the full eight hours of third shift? I could really use the boost in production. We can't do that, Mr. McFarland. We need the buffer of at least two hours between the end of your second shift and the beginning of your first shift so that our laborers on third don't run into any of your people. Your sales rep must have explained this to you. Look, I don't care if you're using undocumented workers. Do I sound like I'm from immigration? I just want to know when are they going to start their work. As I said, they will work your field from 12 a.m. to 4 a.m. 
and they'll be gone by the time your first shift shows up. I've been in this business for 20 years, and there's just no way 30 pickers could meet the shift quota in just four hours. And I was told you don't need the field lights. My foreman was going to set them up, but your salesman said not to bother. Our laborers have extremely good night vision. They work faster in the dark. Here you go. Thanks, Helen. Uh, Mr. McFarland, I'm just going through your account. So you're telling me that you have illegals with night vision who can do the work of two men? Ah, yes. Here it is. It's stated in your contract that you hired us to supply no less than 30 laborers to work in your field on third shift. It further states that you'll keep your people away from the designated field for the entire third shift. Yes, yes, I'm aware. It also says, Mr. McFarland, that you will not ask the kind of questions you are asking. How the hell do I know what my contract says? It's not even in English. Um, yes, I know. It's a minor dialect of ancient Hebrew, a very old tradition, and the owners of the company insist on it. I'll make sure you receive an English translation, but I have no doubt that your sales rep went over all these points. Yeah, yeah, he did. It made as much sense then as it does now. Look, if I don't get some straight answers, I'm going to have to cancel our contract. Oh, I don't think you'll do that, Mr. McFarland. Vineyards that use our service enjoy a substantial savings on production, and I'm sure you're aware what impact that will have on your bottom line. Just like some peace of mind, Carver. I want to know who will be working my field and when they'll arrive. And we're going to stay on this phone until you tell me. All right, Mr. McFarland. You strike me as a businessman who knows what's best for business. If I shed some light on this, you've got to promise to keep an open mind. And if you repeat any of this conversation, we will not only deny it ever took place but our legal team will take appropriate action. Look, I'm a man of secrets myself, Mr. Carver, and I have no intention of revealing yours. Okay, then. What I'm about to tell you may seem a little out there. Mr. McFarland, what do you know about graveyards? What? Or more specifically, the history of human internment and cemeteries next to nothing, but what does this have to do with... Stay with me. Thousands of years before cemeteries, the dead were taken to a place where their bodies, and more importantly, their life essence, could be reclaimed by nature. Animals did the job mostly. What was left, the elements took care of. This is fascinating and all, but... When the first cemeteries started popping up in human societies, oh, about 3000 BC, they didn't cause a problem. The bodies and life essence could still be reclaimed by nature through the ground. The circle of life was not interrupted until we started using coffins. You understand about the circle of life. Yes, Carver. I did see the Lion King. Well, good. <clears throat> anyway, the human life force was being trapped inside coffins, and nature wasn't able to recycle it. So nature, as nature always does, solved the problem. And how did it do that? Over the next few centuries, a new species evolved, one that lived underground and whose sole purpose was to free the decomposing bodies from their prisons. So what? Nature created the gopher to solve the problem? <laughs> no, nothing that benign. <laughs> nature created something else. Something very few humans ever get to see. Something you don't want to see. 
They have many names, but only one English word describes them. Mr. McFarland, have you ever heard of ghouls? Oh, for crying out loud. I've just about had it with this crap. Who's your supervisor? Ghouls are real, Mr. McFarland. They are a relatively young species evolved for a specific purpose, but they are very real. They consume the dead and release the essence back into the earth. So what are you saying? That you have ghouls working in my field? Since cremation became more popular, there's been a slow decline of the cemetery business. Many ghouls have been displaced and need to find new ways to live. TM Labor has been proudly employing displaced ghouls for nearly four centuries. Ah, jeez, you're so full of bullshit I could use you as fertilizer. What do these ghouls look like, anyway? Ghoul relations isn't my department, but I have seen some sketches. Trust me, you don't really want to know. So when are your imaginary ghouls going to arrive? It's two minutes past midnight, and I haven't seen or heard a single truck. There won't be any trucks. Ghouls move underground, and they're very prompt. I'm sure they're in your field right now, doing their job as promised. Well, I don't see anybody. I don't know how far you live from the field, but I'm sure the vantage point from your bedroom isn't good enough to see anything, especially in the dark. What vantage point? I'm here in a field where your laborers are supposed to be, and I'm all alone. Oh, Jesus! Tell me you're joking. After I saw no activity out here, I got dressed, grabbed my cell phone, and came down to investigate. Christ, McFarland! Get out of there! What's the big deal, Carver? So I get to see your spooky little workforce, assuming they ever show up. Look, McFarland, I'll cancel your contract, I'll refund your money, anything you want, just please get out of that field! Alright, alright, I'm walking out. What's all the urgency? It's part of the deal we have with them. What's part of the deal? That they can have anything they find. Snakes, squirrels, insects, whatever. Have? What do you mean, have? I mean, kill and eat. If you're trying to scare me, it's not working. I don't care if you're scared. For God's sake, get out of that field. Now! Yes, yes, I'm going. I'm about a hundred yards from the edge, but I have to tell you, Mr. Carver, I am not happy with the way you've spoken to me, and I'm definitely... McFarland? McFarland! McFarland, are you there? Carver, for the love of God, get me out of here. I... I can't. I, I can see them. They're all around. Please, please help me, Carver. There is nothing I can do, Mr. McFarland. Their eyes. For the love of God, what's wrong with their eyes? No! Stay away! Don't touch me! Godspeed, Mr. McFarland. Godspeed. Helen, we're going to need a cleanup crew in Napa. Yeah, I was listening. I'm on it. And I'll get some client termination forms while I'm at it. Thanks, Helen. And another drink, please. I'll bring you the bottle. For your assignment next week, I want you each to extrapolate on the observations made by Mr. Miley. I encourage you to analyze your surroundings, discover more of your environment. No further inquiries. Class dismissed.
Supplemental inquiry. Syllabus and course schedule. Humor seems to be the favorite subject of study for the new instructor. Prepare yourselves for Detective Mac. It's the first double feature episode of Seminar. Seminar, issue 16, premiering June 27th, 2008. Only at PendantAudio.com. Supplemental Inquiry, Players for Seminar. Featuring the voice talents of Mike Winters as the instructor, Pete Milan as student five, in Feed the Poor, David Alt as Rick Parker, Bruce Busby as Brian Kelly, Tim Kelby as the beggar, T. Alexander Watson as Nelson Kingsley, April Sadowski and Justin Young as the journalists, and Perry Whittle and William Raymer as the DJs, written by Tim Kelby. In Third Shift, John Johnson as Alan, Robin Carlyle as Helen, and Jovian Lab as the customer, written by Kevin Anderson, directed by Catherine Pride, edited by Jeffrey Bridges, original music by David Alexander McDonald, produced by Pendant Productions. This production is copyright 2008, Pendant Productions. Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges, copyright 2008, Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.